Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I have a super cool guest for you who I've been wanting to interview for a while, but I was a little bit nervous to ask her because she just has such a big platform, both on Instagram and TikTok, like over a million followers and a huge podcast. And I thought she was so much cooler than I am. And she is. You will see in this episode, Victoria Garrick is on the show today. And she is absolutely amazing. Just so real, so enlightening, shares every little part of her life without holding back. And it's honestly refreshing and gives me a lot of permission to be myself on social media too. She's one of those people that I personally look up to. I look at her page, watch her stories every single day, and she herself, just who she is, serves as a reminder to be real, be yourself, and show up in a way that is authentic to you. Victoria Garrick, in case you don't know her background, she is a former Division I volleyball player, TED Talk speaker, social media influencer, and a mental health advocate. Since delivering her TED Talk in 2017, Victoria has become a leader in the mental health and body image advocacy space. After graduating from the University of Southern California in 2019, Victoria has traveled the country speaking on college campuses, like literally at Stanford and all sorts of really cool universities, hosts her hit podcast called The Real Pod, which I'm actually on this week. I'm on her podcast. So if you want to listen to that afterwards, go to her podcast, Real Pod, and my interview will pop up. 
And she also creates daily content for her army of over 1.5 million people who follow her for her message of authenticity and self-care on social media. So in this episode, Victoria talks a lot about the behind-the-scenes businessy aspects of her social media business and also a lot of the mental health side of things, things like burnout. How do you recognize when you're feeling burnt out and what steps can you take to heal from that? She also is very generous with the tips and strategies she shares for creating content on social media, building a large following, and of course, doing it in a way that is real and authentic to you. So she is just the embodiment of real, both on and offline. And I want this episode to also serve as a reminder that when you express yourself authentically, you're going to feel more connected to not only those around you and not only on social media, but first and foremost, and most importantly, to yourself. So whether your work is on social media or otherwise, being real will always pay off in the long run. And Victoria is a prime example of that. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Victoria Garrick, and I invite you to listen to my episode on her podcast because that was also really cool. We actually recorded them back to back, so we got to spend like two hours with each other one afternoon, and it was so much fun. So go listen to her podcast after this, and in the meantime, enjoy this interview and conversation with Victoria. Hi, Victoria. (laughs) Hi, Mary. How are you? Thank you so much for being here. I am good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to sit down with you. But like, how are you? Like, really? What is today? Today is November 16th. It's Tuesday. What's going on in your life? Well, five seconds ago, I was trying to floss the cheese out of my teeth before we (laughs) started recording some cheese and crackers, which is great. I am good. I... I'm good, definitely. But I do want to add color to that because I think in being real and kind of sharing like the full picture, I feel like I just got back to a place where I have high energy and I'm feeling motivated and I'm feeling creative for the past, I think like four months, I just did not feel myself. I was like in such a rut when it came to content and work and things. And I'm kind of like out the other side, which is great and awesome. But I want to let people know that like for me to be happy and motivated on November 16th came with four months of really not doing my best work or feeling my best to recharge to get back to this place. What does being in a rut look or feel like to you? It feels... (laughs) Are we in therapy? I love this. It (laughs) feels like I am being forced to go through the motions, but I'm not aligned with the motions. And when I say being forced, I mean, it's by myself, right? It's like, I got to make a living. I got to do these things. Like no one's actually forcing me, but it's me doing the bare minimum and not feeling excited about it or aligned with it. Really. It's more like I view it as an obligation and that is not a fun place to be. And it has nothing to do with the work I'm doing because I love what I get to do. It's more so that I literally felt like I had no gas left in my tank. Mm, And that's like burnout, right? Definitely. I would say I was super burnt out. And I realized that during the time as well. And was kind of trying to do everything I could to allow myself that break. And okay, like, 
then we're not going to be growing at the level we want or pushing out the amount of content that we want and making every single person who follows us happy and and giving them insight and value. And, you know, it's hard for me to just be okay with that sometimes. But I was on a call with someone in the business who I really admire. It's actually Gary V's brand manager. His name is Sid. And he was telling me it's not about getting 500 followers tomorrow, but being in a position to get a follower in five years. And for people listening to, it's not about just like getting followers. I think you can dive that deeper into like, it's not about impacting 500 lives tomorrow, but being in a position to impact and inspire one life in five years. And I think that really hit me because we constantly look around and are like, I got to grow today. I got to do this today, tomorrow, tomorrow. Like, when is the break? It's never coming. And so if you just exhaust and exhaust and exhaust in five years, you're not going to be able to do the work you want to do and show up the way you want to show up. And so that really puts some perspective in me was like, okay, I might not be trending so far upwards, but I'm going to be continuously trending upwards and be able to create longevity with this. Yes. That word longevity was the one that popped into my mind right away. It was one of my big commitments with the podcast because there are millions of podcasts out there that get started, but they don't really go anywhere because people get frustrated with the lack of growth. And I just swore to myself that no matter what, I'm going to do one shitty episode a week. And even though I can't like outdo anyone, like maybe quality wise, like whether it's my sound or my content or what I'm saying, whatever it may be, I can be in it for the long run. I love that. And honestly, podcasts, they're so hard to grow. It's so hard to get listeners and all that stuff. Consistency is key, like every single week. I even had a tough call a week ago where I'm reminded how not big my podcast is and how where I need to go with my... And I'm just sitting there like... I'm like, I just interviewed Katie Couric and I'm hearing that like I am such a micro podcast and like I am not selling out all my ad slots. You know, it's just, it's wild. And that's why in this business, you really have to be able to focus on the process and the wins that are important to you because there's always another one that's bigger and that's better and that has more followers. It's wild. Yeah. It's so exhausting because I think it's the first time in the world in just in general, that we can experience high growth. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think like older generations will never understand because there was no such thing as going viral. There was really no such thing as an overnight success. Like that was reserved for, I don't know, like big, big business owners, like very much traditional corporate kind of stuff. But in terms of like your everyday gal, like, hello, 20, I'm 23. Are you 24? You're 24. 24. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that, did not that was unheard of and now that we have the opportunity we also have the ability to always feel like we're lacking if we're not reaching it right I totally agree you mentioned like that's the game of like being in this business what is this business to you like and do you see yourself doing it long term like forever or like if you were to have it all your way where would you want it to go well it's so interesting because I never really get to talk about this side of things because it's almost like behind the curtain, right? It's like the Wizard of Oz and then you pull the curtain back and it's like there's a lot that's going on to to do this. And I'm really passionate about that side of things because it takes a lot of hard work and strategy and smarts and brains. I mean, anyone who's a content creator, 
And honestly, no matter what following you have, I have so much respect for someone when they tell me they're going for it on social. I don't need to know how many followers they have. I don't need to know what they're doing. But when they're just like, I'm trying to grow my Instagram, I'm trying to grow my TikTok, I'm trying to do this. It takes a lot of hard work and energy. And so I always respect creators in any size. Is this something that I see myself doing forever? I think so. I think I definitely do. You know, I I certainly am excited to not anytime soon, but I'm like, oh, when I have a baby, you know, I can pivot into mommy content. <laughs> you know, I love, I love thinking about that. So I think it is something that I see myself doing for a really long time. I will say that the way in which I do it is definitely changing. And I'm at a place right now where I think it's changing. A year ago, even I was very known for sports and my experiences as a college athlete. And I already feel like now there are people who follow me and have no idea that I used to play college volleyball. And I like that because I'm growing with my content. I will say, I think what I'm trying to do now in terms of like strategy or stepping back and looking at my content from a bird's eye view is I just want to be myself. And I want that to be the reason people come and they're thinking, okay, there's this, this, this girl, Victoria, and she posts about a variety of different things, but like, I'm here for her and the way that she does it. And I think the way that I kind of built everything was the reverse. It was like mental health and athletes. Oh, and then I was the girl behind it. And I really want to just get the relationship with my community to be more personal so that I can have that be like more of a 360 view and not like you have to be an athlete to follow me or you have to have had an eating disorder or you had to have been depressed. You know, I'm trying to broaden it because that's where I'm at, right? I'm kind of really like, I just want to align. Like I no longer feel in sync with talking so much about my trauma. I just don't want to talk about the depression I went through four years ago. I'm happy now. I want to move forward. And that's hard for me because I don't know if people want that from me or they want to hear from the girl who was depressed. And I'm sure you can relate to that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like emotionally reliving that trauma every time you post when you're focused on content like that. And that's really exhausting. And like, that's a lot to ask from someone. I used to have a story in my head that people like want to see that from me. And that's the only thing they'll relate to. But also a lot of people have been relating to my joy too. Like... I'm sure you got that when you were engaged, like people are happy for you as if it was them or like redecorating your house. Like people are invested, like people love lifestyle, but they also want to receive that lifestyle content from somebody who's real and not like necessarily super polished or styled or whatever, because that seems so out of reach. It's intimidating. And then you're like that in between. I love that relating to your joy. It's so true. You never think that joy or happiness and those things are relatable because we've really created this notion that relatability comes with the ugly and the hard. And that's something that hits me for sure right now. And I'm going to take that with me. And it's true. I posted like, what content do you guys want from me? I feel like I'm in like a content crisis. And I love when my followers talk to me like we're best friends because I honestly feel like we are. And one of them was like, Vic, just stop overthinking it and post whatever you want. And I was like, I love you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, girl. I like feel that on just a visceral level. I look up to you so much. And I also feel like we're the same person. I told you in a voice note before we started recording that you and Becca, I think she was on The Bachelor. I honestly don't know. Same with your like volleyball 
today was probably the first time that I actually realized, like actually it sunk in like, oh, she played volleyball. And I know D1 is like super cool. And I'm so sorry that I don't know more about that. And I'm (laughs) sure it's like badass. But by the time I started following you, like I knew that was your background, but that's not why I was there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so fascinating. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, we just get in our own heads and we see a certain like thing from our perspective because we're constantly thinking about certain things. But from another person, they see other things that they relate to. So I follow like you and Becca and I think the Garcia Diaries. She's like a mom of five. And I'm like, oh my God, how does she do it? But like y'all are people that just show up. I love when it's like no filter or when you're talking about things. I think you just really embody like both and like a lot of people are very much in their struggle. And I personally can't follow that. Like I don't find that relatable and I don't find like that motivates me to grow. I just find that that brings me down if it's all of the time. And then there's also so many people that like will not share an ounce of anything that's ugly. And I just like when things are like funny and real and just like, I relate to so much of the relationship stuff or like, I don't know, anything outrageous people say like that. That's that's when you feel like your best friends, you know? Oh my God. Thank you. I love hearing that. And it's, it's so true how like you can get in your own head about something and Like you told me earlier, you know, you feel like you see these other people and the way that they're posting and X, Y, Z. And then you listed me as one of them. And then I'm sitting here thinking, I'm someone you look at and you think that their page is something because I'm sitting here on my page. Like it could be way, way, way better. And I'm looking at someone else. And so it just goes to show. Yeah, for sure. And I try to remind myself that all the time. But when you're in it, like I get really insecure about certain social media things, partly I'm like not a visual person at all. And social media is all visual. So even when I'm like making stories and stuff, I'm like, does this look janky? Like you're not a visual person. Your stuff is so beautiful. I feel like you have such a clear, like aesthetic in the best way. Like even your book. So those are the colors I look at you and I think of those colors, you know? Oh, thank you. Well, that was with the help of people. And for my home, I hired a Uh, stylist and the book was like an illustrator, you know, like I know what I like when I see it, but I'm not visual. Like I can't come up with something from my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like when people do outfits or like graphic design or anything. Yeah, I definitely relate. I can do outfits and like certain things, but I cannot do graphic design, like podcast artwork, logos. I can't think those things up. It's amazing when people can. I feel like most people are like visual or they'll be like, I'm a visual learner and I'm 100% auditory. And have you heard of like auditory digital? What's that? It's like when you're like a thinker, like I think and everything has to make rational sense. And even just the way a lot of my stuff is structured, like I like sequential. It's not necessarily orderly because I'm like cool with organized chaos, but it's more like I'm in my head a lot. And that's kind of how I like I have to think things through, whereas a lot of people have to see them and then auditory people have to hear them and kinesthetic people have to like feel them. Like I'm sure a lot of athletes probably acquired that skill where they have to like practice a move and then they feel solid in it, obviously. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of like Maggie Rogers and certain singers who are like, I think they call it like synesthetic. I'm probably saying that so wrong, where they see colors and that's how they create music. It's fascinating. What? Like without LSD? Yes. Yes. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's like when they hear, they hear in color. And so that's like 
some of the greatest songwriters. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Maggie Rogers, I know for sure has whatever this is and her music is amazing. What? Okay. I'm going to look into her. That is so cool. Cause I know like Pink Floyd, I don't know if that's like too oldie, but like, I know they claim that, but they were obviously doing lots of drugs. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, I digress. So I want to like circle back to the burnout and how you managed to get out of it. Also, how did you know when you were burnt out? Cause here's the thing for me, like I feel like I'm pretty extroverted as a person. I get a lot of my energy from like hanging out with friends and talking to people and doing a lot of things that are like outwards focused. And so there are moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired, but I could easily wake up the next day and feel like I'm so inspired. So how do you know when you're facing like a extended period of burnout or like when you really need to reconsider? Do you know what I mean? For sure. I think if it's something that's recurring and it's like a consistent thing, maybe it's not like you said, maybe there's one day in a span of three days or four days where you're feeling motivated, but the majority of your week, you're really feeling burnt out. That's when I think you have to start asking your own self the questions. And when I say your, I don't mean you specifically. Anyone listening has to ask themselves the questions of, okay, it seems like the theme this entire month has been that I just am not motivated and that something's going on. And then, you know, asking more questions of, okay, well, is this a depressed feeling? Is this just a like, I don't want to do my tasks feeling, but I would have energy if someone said, let's go to the movies. Like that was me. I was like, when it came to content and TikToks and videos and podcasts and thinking about brand building, I had nothing. But if someone said, I want to go on a walk or want to do that, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And so that to me was my key of like, I am exhausted from this one area of my life. So I think that's also a tip too, is asking yourself, is this when I approach my schoolwork or my job, or is this everything? I don't have motivation for anything. And I think that's another type of burnout, right? And I think that could be something even more serious. I don't want to diagnose anyone. I'm not a professional, but I do think asking yourself those questions can help you start to understand what you're going through. And actually a side note is I was experiencing these depressive episodes like here and there throughout the summer. And I realized that I had like a hormone imbalance related to my birth control. So that was a whole other thing. And that was different than my burnout. But you don't understand these things until you start to have conversations with yourself, with people in your life. For me, it was Instagram and everyone was able to tell me this is a problem with your period. So I was grateful for them there. So I think that reflection and awareness is key. Yeah. Oh, that distinction is so powerful. Like what activities are you like? Yes. And which ones are like, oh, because I think if you're like more so depressed and I also don't want to diagnose anyone, but I feel like when it goes into like that realm, it's more like everything feels awful. Whereas like when it's burnout, that's like maybe work specific. It's like the answers to those questions are work specific, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think too, Burnout can obviously eventually cause feeling depressed. So to really be on top of your feelings and emotions will allow you to prevent spiraling into a place that you don't want to be. And I think that's been huge for me as I look back on all the therapy I went to and healing through my own mental health struggles is having this ability to check in with myself and really ask, how am I feeling? How do these people in my life make me feel? 
am I in the wrong here? Are they in the wrong? Can I be more compassionate? Can I be more empathetic? Can I have less judgment towards myself and others? You know, I think all of those conversations and learning, it takes time, is what has allowed me to not stray from like a road that's really good for me right now. Mm. What did you do to heal from that? Did you take a significant time off or like what helped you crawl out of that phase? I was at my worst in college, my sophomore year into my junior year. And then come Christmas time, my junior year, I realized I really needed to step away from that thing that was causing me the negative emotions, which was volleyball. It was just so intense. I just felt like I couldn't handle it anymore. And so I took a mental health leave from the team for about two to three months and just really recharged. I wanted nothing to do with working out, nothing to do with volleyball. I wanted to feel like a normal college student. I wanted to put bracelets on, paint my nails, wear jeans to class, just really be a college student. And it really revived me. I was going to therapy. I was on meds. I spent time with family and friends. And I just felt like I got a whole new breath of life back. And then I was able to go back to the team for my senior season feeling stronger. And you know, it was really hard for me to take that break. And look, it was a luxury and a privilege to take a break. If you're a mom working two jobs and you don't have any support, you can't just take a break from what you're doing. And so I want to just acknowledge the privilege I had in, in being able to do that. But that break was huge for me. And anyone who can take that break, I would encourage you to really think about how it could benefit you. Mm, that was back in college. And was this like around the time that you started sharing online? I started sharing online my sophomore year. So this was like a year into Instagram. I think I had like 30,000 followers and I did share. I remember posting about my mental health leave and what was going on. So I did have a social media presence, very, very micro. And it was really the start of me being honest about how I was feeling and what was going on in my life and really not trying to keep up a perfect image because that wasn't the truth at all. And it really, as I went through what I was going through, I just realized how I was negatively contributing to other people by putting out a highlight reel when the highlight reel was what was causing me problems. Mm. Mm. That's like what we just talked about too before we got on the phone. Sometimes I feel like I'm contributing to a place that I don't know if it's 100% conducive to mental health, but I also don't want to leave it because I want to be the change, right? How did you come to that realization? Was it was it therapy? Like, how were you like that shift between, I'm assuming you posted a lot of like athlete related posts or just like, yeah, like where was that shift? To your first nugget about contributing to like a platform that you know can cause harm. I would say like social media itself isn't bad. It's the way in which we use it and you use it for such an amazing way that like we need you to stay on because that's creating the social media we want to see, you know? So I think there is that difference of in general, the app can cause negativity, but it can also cause positivity. And that positivity, a lot of it is from you. So I just want to say that. Secondly, about the decision to kind of become real on social media. 
it didn't have anything to do with what I do now. I literally just was only followed by my friends and family. And I kind of had my own like little midlife crisis. And I remember posting this picture one night with the caption, like, I now know why Britney was the way she was. Like I said something like that because when I was young and that everything happened to Britney, you know, you just look at it like she's crazy and you know, blah, 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 blah. And you just don't understand. And then when you hit your lowest point, I'm like, I would shave my head. Yeah, I would, I would shave my head because I'm just fucking over everything and I'm sad and I, you know, and so I think that time in my life for me really changed me. I knew that trying to be this perfect person was causing me so much stress because that person never existed for me. It doesn't exist for anyone. And the breath I could take when I just was myself and I just didn't lie to anyone and I didn't feel the need to act like a certain way or look a certain way. It was such a release. And look, it took time to do that. But now it's like I have no other way to be. Like I probably shouldn't start the podcast by telling everyone I was picking she's out of my teeth, but I don't mm-hmm. know another way to be. And it a lot it brings me joy to just be no filter. I love that. Your real posts are what keep me going. And <laughs> as I was talking about like the few influencers whose stories I watch religiously, I think what I like the most is that it's like, and it's like, I can be a badass career woman and I'm picking like cheese out of my teeth or like I'm getting engaged and I'm like really nervous about the dress I'm going to pick. And it's so many things that I think a lot of us don't say because we're like, oh, that's silly or that's weird or like whatever. A lot of times it's not even like so big and heavy. It's usually just like the little everyday lives, but those like ordinary moments are what make it extraordinary, you know? Oh my God. Thank you. I'm, this is, makes me feel so good. I'm like, thank you. I really means a lot to hear that because sometimes you feel like you're just in your own little world posting things. And if you get a negative comment, it's the only thing you think about. So it really means a lot. You're literally the shit. What? <laughs> you are so nice. You're the shit. Seriously, I just adore you. When was the point where you were like making money and you were like, oh my God, this is a real business and I'm going to keep this going. And like, where was the point that you like, I guess, quote unquote, took it seriously? Like it went from just social media to like, this is my job. <laughs> well, mine started really gradually with speaking. So my senior year of college, once my final season of volleyball was over, I had given a TED Talk my sophomore year and I was getting inquiries to speak at schools. And so that was my first like, oh my gosh, like people want to hear from me. And I guess I know this sounds crazy. I gave a TED Talk. I didn't think I would speak again. I think most people think you give a TED Talk and like you're done. Like, why would you speak again? That's you peaked. I didn't never thought I would speak again. I don't know. I just didn't put the pieces together. Looking back now, I understand how a TED Talk creates a lot of credibility and experience to continue doing that. So people reached out and, you know, I thought it was really going to be special to connect with other athletes and to continue sharing my story and to meet people and hopefully have that connection. And so slowly, you know, was one opportunity, the next opportunity, the next. And then looking at the next fall, my first fall out of school, I had all these schools lined up and it equated to a job. That was really the moment where like I was able to, and so weird looking back on it now, because I just can't believe I just didn't get a normal job out of college. But like, I guess I remember sitting down with my dad because I remember he was like, okay, real post is cute, but um, you just got a degree and like, how are you going to make money? 
And I was like, well, dad, if, if you look at all the speaking, the speaking tour I just booked, like I'm going to be working full time. So that was that. But then the pandemic hit and speaking was halted and I really had to pivot. And so that's when I started to lean into monetizing social media. I hadn't monetized it before that. I really felt passionate about, once again, from a strategy standpoint of like building a community that felt like they could trust me, that they knew that my word was something I didn't take lightly with them and that we had this very special bond. So I didn't want to monetize and sell random lotions and scrunchies and things like that when I had like 50K followers because I don't know, I literally didn't monetize until I was at like 150,000 followers on Instagram, which is wild because people can monetize at like 30, but I didn't. And then it was basically like, I, I was really able to dive into that because it was I don't want to use the term like virgin, but it was like a virgin feed where like no brands had ever been on it and I'd never done sponsorships. And I think that's appealing for brands as well. And then I was also in a position where because I had a platform and a community that I really cared for and that was significant, I could be more selective in who I did want to work with because my brand is about honesty and I'm never going to promote something I don't use. Like I could have made so much money in protein powders by now, but I don't drink them. So I just have to say no. And it, it's hard for me too. when like a food company wants to work with me or a snack company. And then I look at the label and it says guilt-free and I'm like, nope, can't do it. And even if it's so much money, because that's not what I want to promote. So I will say it is tricky with my message specifically to find brands and things that are aligned. The one drink that I do drink is Athletic Greens, which is great. And I'm glad that I get to work with them. But even then, it's like finding one that doesn't have any toxic messaging. And the chances that I love drinking them and they're not toxic, I mean, it's hard to find. So now I'm just ranting about, you know, monetizing social media. But yeah, it's a whole animal for sure. It definitely happened gradually, accidentally. And I think as it caught steam, my wheels started to turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the momentum just builds up. I was the same way. I didn't start my first brand deal, I think, was like early last year, like literally. And for a while, I wasn't also not because I didn't want to. And I mean, looking back now, I'm very grateful that I didn't like do a bunch of brands right off the bat, because I think the community is like what sticks with you and what's the most valuable. But I also like no brands would reach out to me because my message was like, at the time, like four years ago, that was seen as like extreme and weird. And like you said, which brand is going to check all the boxes and be on board to that? Like even till this day, people think that I get so much because of the size of my following and my engagement, which is great. And I love, but a lot of the times I'm like, why won't you work with me? And it's really because like, I don't know, I feel like they don't want me, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> I'm I sure. bet that's not it. <sighs> no, straight up. Like it's, crickets a lot of the times. I'm very grateful for the ones that do come around. Like it's enough for me to feel good about what I'm doing and not burnt out. I am still trying to figure out that whole world. And this leads into a selfish question. I'm sure a lot of people, myself included, are curious as to how you built not only such a large following, but like you said, they're best friends. Is there anything that you felt like most contributed to your growth besides like not doing ads and being real, like skills or like things you really, really focused on or like, where was that tipping point? I think if I'm trying to give people a tangible tip they could literally take and put into action today is to get on TikTok. 
if anyone wants to grow and they want to create a large following and they want to reach people, it is TikTok. And you did not miss the wave. You did not miss the storm. You can still become Charlie D'Amelio in the next week if you get on tomorrow. It's possible. For example, like I realized the opportunity in TikTok and over the pandemic, every day, it was four to five TikToks. I woke up with like TikToks, TikToks, TikToks because I saw the opportunity there. And so I think that is big, like from a strategy perspective is like the reach you're going to get. And then I'm able to then connect to tons of new people and then like create that best year relationship with them by like being super real. And I think the way that I talk to the people who follow me as well, like it is very... I'm overusing the word real, like literally take a shot every time I say real, but (laughs) it it is super real. And I even sometimes feel weird, but like I'll run into people who I haven't seen in years, guys from high school. Oh, I saw you moved in with Max and you went to therapy and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what's your name again? Because that's how much I share. And I think that's how I wanted to build my community. And in turn, they share with me and I love hearing from them. And if I post and I say like, everyone, let me know what's on your mind today. I mean, just paragraphs, people are willing and they can feel like they can feel vulnerable, which I love. But anyways, back to the beginning, I think getting on TikTok from a strategy standpoint and growth is really important now and you're not too late. So that would be like my big, big tip is TikTok. I am terrified of TikTok and I definitely feel like I'm too late. It is so intimidating to me. You're not too late. Wait, why does it feel intimidating? Because there's all these big creators already? Hmm, Just, I'm not, again, like video scares the shit out of me. And I think it just, like, I'm fine at speaking. This podcast is really where I thrive because I don't feel like I need to make something aesthetic. And I'm also not good at like playing that game of like, okay, hook in the first three seconds and then share something valuable and then have a call to action and then drive them to something else. Like, I just like cannot... (laughs) When I think about doing that, it exhausts me. So my TikTok is just like a bunch of bullshit, like me and Stan just like messing around. And every so often, like I'll pop in, but it's never anything that I'm like really proud of. That's so funny. It is true. It's definitely like, there's so many different ways to look at it. This is just my opinion. But I do think there is strategy and like the way you create a video and like, you have to think about those first two, three seconds. Is it captivating? Because if not, they're scrolling. And so that to me like gives me a high. Like I was a journalism major. I love creating videos. I love that I'm directing, producing and creating my own video. Like, you know, and I make videos with Max too. And it's fun to be like, I have this idea, please. I need you to stand here. I need you to do this. And like, just trust <laughs> me. So I mean, I that side of it brings me joy. I will say like, I'm not saying every single person needs to get on TikTok tonight. I'm saying if someone's listening to this and they want to grow their platform and that's their priority, that is the best, fastest, smartest way to be growing right now. You're someone who like you really have your community figured out and you're very solid in what you do. And if that doesn't bring you joy and it doesn't appeal to you, you don't have to do it. Yeah, I feel like it has potential to bring me joy. I'm just like very inconsistent in the way that I approach it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sometimes I make videos in this style. Other times I make videos in this style. And the TikTokers that are the most successful are the ones that are very consistent. Maybe not like every video is the same, but like a lot of people, every video is the same. Like that girl that like pours concealer all over her face, right? Like it's the same every time. I'll push back. You can do anything you want on TikTok. No one's looking at your feed. Like, especially when people are just trying to get on, like post whatever you want. Like it is crazy to look at. I mean, now there's people who follow me that are like, this girl posts Taylor Swift videos. I'm like, I posted three. So you can do anything you want on TikTok. 
I'll think of an idea. Like there was a sound trending that was like, I'm a motherfucking star. And I was like, okay, how can I make this about body image? And like, maybe when it's like, I don't, I don't look at the calories, I'm a star. And then I was like, you know, you know, what's jumping out at me when I make food instead of ordering it in, like that is when I do feel like a star. And so I make that video and it, and it does really well. And I love that about TikTok is you can just do anything you want to do. And I have videos that bomb and everyone has videos that bomb, but I think it's the most like real of all the platforms. Really, I think it is. Oh, it's so inspiring. I consume on TikTok every single day, like at this point, probably more than Instagram. Like I love it. You should see my boyfriend. Anytime I walk by the bathroom, I hear TikTok. Like he he's literally sitting on the toilet. He's up late at night. Like he's like, I just learned so much, like so many things and like eh, all sorts of topics ranging because you're on the For You page. You're not really looking on your feed and you're right. It takes the pressure off of like having a picture perfect thing and like all this stuff question. You're gorgeous. You're stunning. And how do you like reconcile the whole appearance thing? Like sometimes I'm like, I need to look this way and have the lighting. And like, I just want it to look like, I don't need it to look perfect, but I want it to look a certain level of good that I've made up in my head. And sometimes when I'm most inspired is when I don't look at that way. And then by the time I like get myself ready and wash my hair and get the motivation to do something, the idea is already gone and the trend's over and I'm not excited about it. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like the beauty of TikTok is like, you really got to pump out content and you make it in the moment. And also like, aside from your Taylor Swift videos, which I know you spend hours editing and there are some like that, most of them are like random little shit. That's just like funny. Well, I totally hear what you're saying. Even the Taylor Swift videos is me plopping up my phone on the car's dashboard. And like, to be honest, I don't think I look cute in those. Like, I think it's a, this low angle. I think like my chin, like the, my side, pro, like I don't really love those, but I'm like, you know what? Like the first time I ever made that video, I was literally in the car with Max explaining a song to him. And I was like, wait, this is actually hilarious. I was like, I wonder if other people do this. So I was like, do you hear if I just record this? And so I just put the phone right there. I didn't bring in a tripod and have a high angle. We are driving and the sun is hitting us weird, half in the frame. Like, I just think when I get that thought of, oh my God, but just do I look good? I'm like, stop, stop. We're not doing it. Like, I literally just cut myself off. I'm not even going to entertain that. Like, it's taken time. And I, even with Instagram, like I just post and I, if friends take pictures of me, I don't think in three years. I've told someone don't post something because I don't like the way I look or let me see the picture. I've just decided if you take a photo of with me of me, I don't care. That's the photo. Like my friend posted something to her feed and I, I don't love the picture of me, but I'm not even going to verbalize it because I have decided that I am so freaking over that mindset and I, I'm not even going to give it time. So I think it's just a discipline of being like, nope, I'm posting it or I'm not going to look twice at it. I don't know. That just has been really working for me. And I think slowly you get more comfortable with it. And you realize that not everyone's thinking it. Of course, if I was really, 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 really pretty, there'd be all these comments on the video like, oh my God, wait, she's so beautiful. Oh my God, like you guys are a gorge. No one has comments that ever. And I'm just not taking it personally because the video is not for people to say, you guys are a beautiful couple and she's so pretty. They're for you to laugh and relate to Taylor Swift. So I also think too, like, what's the purpose of your video? And I, my guess is that it's inspiring someone to feel okay with who they are and to feel confident, not to feel like you are really pretty, you know? And so I think verbalizing that to yourself too is like, you know, and also you're gorgeous. So that's really fucking motivating, seriously. And I think that relates and extends to a lot of things like 
going back to like, okay, what's the purpose of this video? Or what's the purpose of your existence? Like, are you really here to just like be pretty? Is that what you want to be about? Like, if so, like, cool, do your thing. Like, there are plenty of people like, I guess, being successful at it. I don't know if they're happy, but like, that's (laughs) on them. But what are you about? And you know, that saying that's like, don't compare yourself to somebody you wouldn't trade places with. Yeah, I've heard that before. I think about that a lot because I'm like, well, there are a lot of people, I admire them. I love their work. I love their content. But would I want to like be them? And if the answer is no, then I'm like, fuck that. Like moving on. And if the answer is yes, then I feel like, and that's the thing about the real people, i.e. you, Becca, and the Garcia Diaries. (laughs) so funny. (laughs) I need to follow the Garcia Diaries. I already follow Becca. She's hilarious. She does like confessions every single day and people are like confessing their sins and like crimes <laughs> or like funny stuff or like weird outrageous things you know and what I love about that is when I like look at you guys and I'm like oh my god they're so good and like their content's so great all this stuff I don't feel weighed down by it I don't feel like she's great and this is why I'm not I feel like oh well she's doing so amazing in this like really cool real way like I can also be that too and it's like I guess you just get inspiration from that comparison. It's more like productive comparison as opposed to like destructive comparison. For sure. I think it's that growth first fixed mindset of does someone else's success inspire you or like does it deter you? And I think if you can get to that mindset of I'm inspired by other people succeeding and look, it's not always easy. I had a creator I muted last week because I just... I don't know why this one creator, I get envious. It's like a very high school side of me that comes out of, I want to do that. And I and that, and I just noticed it's nothing to do with this girl. It's something that, of course, it comes up in me. And so I'm like, you know what? I need to mute this person. I think they're awesome and they've done nothing wrong. But like, I don't like that side of me and it's causing me FOMO and me to feel not good enough. And I need to just mute for a little until I get my ducks back in a row and can follow this person. Yeah. And I think there's no shame in that, especially like you said, it's so big to admit that like, it has nothing to do with them. It's like really about me and where I'm at. Actually, I don't know if you get this because I don't know. I feel like people probably relate to so much, but I get so many messages that are like, you used to trigger me and I had to unfollow you, but now I actually really like you and realize how it was all about me and not about you. And I'm like, uh, thanks. (laughs) like your joy used to trigger them or like back when you were a fitness influencer oh like recently like literally recently people will be like I hate the content you post or the way you are which for me like it's part of it because when you're sharing yourself with hundreds of thousands of people like if everybody likes you that's not statistically possible and also would be really really weird and so to me, it's like definitely a backhanded compliment and I feel weird about it. But also like, I love that they have the courage to come back and admit it with that realization that like, this was always about me and nothing to do with you. And now that I'm different, I can appreciate you for who you are and myself for who I am. That's so true. Thank you. You're, I'm like pumped up. I'm like, I'm going to go me too. TikTok. I feel like I've got so many nuggets from you that I'm now thinking of. I want joy to be relatable. Yes. Likewise, creating relatable joy is probably going to be the title of this episode. On that <laughs> note, what's something that's been bringing you joy lately? Like, what are you excited about? What has been bringing me joy? Okay, can I be cheesy? And I can do this because you have a man you're in love with. 
my fiance Max is the greatest. I just love him. And I feel like I can never really talk. Tell me if you feel this way. I feel like I can never really talk about it because you're like bragging that you're in love or you have this great person. Other people don't have this person. My best friends are single. Like, I just don't feel like I get the chance to verbally be like, I fucking love my human. And I'm, and he makes me so happy and he kisses me all the time and he treats me so well. And he brings me so much joy. Like he's my favorite. And I just, I love him so much. And we had an awesome night last night. And so that's why I'm feeling like I love him. And I feel comfortable. Like I'm feeling like I love him. Otherwise I don't love him. (laughs) I always love him, but I just mean like, that's why I've chosen him. But you know what I'm saying? Like, do you ever feel like you just can't really be happy for how happy you are with your person because you don't want to rub it into anyone else and make people feel bad. And if I was single, I'd be like, stop, you know? So I get it. Well, remember how you like interrupted my TikTok story? I'm going to interrupt this story. I totally used to be like that girl. Like, don't get me wrong. I was scared. And like Stan and I have an age gap and there are women of all different ages. Like, I feel like we're a bit more balanced of women in their thirties and forties. And I have best friends who are single who are like, almost hitting 40, that kind of thing. And I think that's all stuff that we make up in our heads based on what we think like people or like women, especially, right? Like should be in a relationship in this way. And that's a projection. I have found that since I've been more like shameless with sharing Stan, shameless with sharing Stan, people literally message me, single people. I had somebody sign up for a retreat two hours ago because she said, I love the way you are with your boyfriend and I want love like that. And I'm 38 and I feel like I can learn so much from you. And like that somebody like literally paid over $3,000 to come to a retreat to Spain with me because she felt like inspired by that journey. And so many single people in my DMs are like, I just got out of a bad breakup. And like, you always post your relationship and you think that would make me feel bad, but it actually makes me feel hope. Oh my God. Like that's what people need. I love that. I I need to write this down and like make a post about this because another thing too is I got engaged in August and Woo! thank you. August, September, October. Okay. I got engaged in August. I posted pictures the weekend I got engaged. It has been three months. I have not posted an engagement picture because I am so self-conscious about being annoying. Oh my God, you're turning into a wedding account. Oh my God, oh my God, I'm gonna get this. And I'm like sitting here like, wait, but I like love my engagement and I love the photos and I wanna share them. And like, it's so interesting. I think I'm gonna do a big caption on this today. Thank you for the inspiration. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure because it's something that I grappled with a lot. And I think it had to have been like in quarantine because I was just like, whatever, I just did three posts back to back and stands on all of them, all the three back to back. And I even told him this morning, I was like, is that weird? And again, like there's also a way to do it. Right. And I think this is so natural to you. Like you're never going to be like, oh my God, like at me. Like you couldn't do that if you tried. Yesterday, Stan took a photo of me on the toilet and he was just like sitting there and I thought it was cute. Oh, I saw this. It was so cute. (laughs) Thank you. And like, just made me so happy. I was like, it wasn't even going to be a feed post. It's not usually what I would consider a feed post, but I just decided I want to like mark that moment. And girl, like with your engagement, like you got to mark those moments. And also people are nosy and want to know, like we have to understand, like people want to see that. They've probably been asking you for it. I wouldn't doubt if they have. It's so true. But I'm always thinking of like the negative. The day I got engaged, someone DM'd me, congratulations, but I really hope this doesn't become your page. 
the day I got engaged. Congratulations, but. And I'm like, why am I living for that sour person? Why not am I not living for the people who are like, I cried for you? <laughs> yeah, I was one of those people that cried for you. It's so Aww, exciting. And, and like, you. yeah, and one thing that you do is like, you just, again, you do this so naturally. I don't even know if I got to say this, but like you bring people into it. Like people are deciding your dress with you. You're getting wedding tips from them. Like they're a part of it. Also, I'm sure people want to see those responses, which you do again, so effortlessly, because like, I want to know what to wear on my engagement shoot. If that happens at any (laughs) point, I'm going to make Stan listen to this. Um, (laughs) Like, I want to know those things. And, you know, you do that so effortlessly on that little the toilet post, I was like, what's something like cute and weird you and your partner do together? And there were hundreds of comments on there of people being like, all the cute things that they do with their significant other. And it made me happy. And then there were people that were like, I'm here for the comments. Like people are literally scrolling through the comments because they're getting joy from that relatable joy. Right. Oh my God. Relatable joy. Okay. I love that. I love you. You're the best. I'm going to obviously tag you. (laughs) (laughs) You're the shit. I absolutely have loved this episode and congratulations. So happy for you and Max. I hope to see more wedding content and all the things. Like I literally want to see all the things. Please don't hold anything back. I definitely won't. Thank you so much, babe. All the kind words, like seriously, seriously means so much to me. So thank you. And it's been an honor to be on your show. Likewise. I love you so much. (laughs) Love you. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.